This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 213 on a Wednesday night, March 29th. We are powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Family owned and operated for more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. As I lose the script here, there we go. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco should know it by now. Uh, and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one cra- one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill or give them a call at 615-356-0303. Also check them out online at alacofinewoodfloors.com. Gentlemen, it's been, uh, I think it's been exactly a week, if I'm not mistaken here. Uh, another Wednesday night episode. We got some baseball to talk about. Vandy boys swept uh, the Magnolia State at Ole Miss uh, two weekends ago. Mississippi State last weekend, so we got to talk a little baseball. But the theme of this episode is basketball season recap. We've had time to sit back and and kind of take our notes, do our research on portal guys. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock in our uh, our research in the portal guys. We've got a lot of questions <laughs> about those. Uh, so don't uh, don't take our word for those. Uh, but we do have some ideas and we'll talk about the portal uh, entries for Vanderbilt, the exits and the the players they need in. So we'll we'll talk all things Vanderbilt basketball. But gentlemen, I will the vibes are high for baseball, but all of a sudden, basketball, we may have been right about more things than we even realized after that Alabama game. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, but and and, and a lot can still happen. I'm I might change my tune again, but man. It feels like uh, it feels like we're talking in a little bit different tune now, but that's that's what we do for Vanderbilt basketball. It's a roller coaster. I think I texted our group. I don't know if I texted the full door report group message or just uh, the message that me, you, and Trevor have, Billy. But I think I said we may have been more right in the episode where we ripped Jerry apart after the fifty-seven point loss to Alabama, and overreacted by calling for his firing midseason and and we apologize for that <laughs> and corrected that take but I think we were hitting on some truth uh in maybe the two critical podcasts that we did following yeah. that uh tough yeah. loss I think we were hitting on some things that were happening inside of that locker room and there were definitely some things going on where players just 
weren't happy and were looking to get out. And we always talk about winning cures all. Well, it definitely cured the vibe around the program at that time. And and Ooh. not every single time is winning, curing whatever's going on during the season. That 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 may just be a band-aid. Obviously, this team got hot and they were playing some good ball, but man, you are losing what six guys to the transfer portal if you potentially. Include- yeah, potentially including Lawrence if if yeah. Lawrence does decide to go to the NBA draft. Yeah. That is not what we expected and not what we thought we would be discussing on this season recap, primarily if you if we would have been recording on Sunday night. So it's yeah. been a pretty crazy last three days for this Vanderbilt basketball program, and I don't mean crazy uh, in a good way. So I, I, I know we'll get more into this, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be a season recap, but it's hard not to combine what you've seen in the recent days when recapping the season, just because it's going to directly impact uh, kind of the trajectory of Jerry Stackhouse in this program. Yeah. It's there's so much to get to. And I want to ask you fire a question at you guys later about uh, this era of college basketball, today's world of college basketball. And does Vanderbilt fit right into that? And there's, I know we've got some answers for that. And there may be some excuses for some of the, some of the moves as of late uh, to, to provide. So, uh, but Trevor, I know you were at the baseball uh, baseball game against Lipscomb. Uh, and, and I know guys, before, you know, we do anything, I, I want to get out there that on Monday, we were going to record Monday, uh, but because of the, the awful tragedy that happened at the covenant school, we pushed it back a little bit. Uh, Trevor, you were there. They had a prayer circle before uh, Vandy and Lipscomb. So uh, obviously it, it's, it's tough to really focus on anything, but Vanderbilt and Lipscomb, what a what a gesture from them! And also, uh, they had a donation, uh, you know, link up on Vandy on the Vandy Boys Twitter site, and they also uh, the proceeds went to uh, the Covenant School uh, Foundation. So, uh, I know you were there, Trev. Uh, Vandy Boys got another win, but on the baseball mm-hmm. side of things, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, boys the 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 prayer circle. The, and shout out to to Vanderbilt and Lipscomb. Um, for doing that, that was that was awesome to see. Um, very respectful. They put the the put the names of the uh, of those who who lost their lives on the screen, and so it was uh, it was a super touching moment. You could hear a pin drop in the stands. But uh, but as for the baseball team, man, they are. It's so it's so funny. I, I watch almost every pitch, Billy. I know you watch a lot of baseball. Will has very much said that he box score watches and I'm over here freaking he had, out. He had some box score watching to do last weekend. He, I, I'm, I'm I over had a here. lot of box score to watch. I will yes. say that. I was yeah. just saying, I'm over here freaking out about the bats and, and Will is like, guys, don't worry about it. I think, <laughs> I think the Vanderbilt bat dilemma, I don't want to say it's, I don't want to say it's dead, but it's, it's pretty, I mean, she's almost six feet under, you know what I mean? So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty done for there. They're playing really, really good baseball, man. They are, the bats are hot right now. The pitching is hot. And then, I mean, like you said, Billy swept the Magnolia state went in and had the uh, reigning national champions come to town and absolutely dusted the floor with them. And then you had a Mississippi state who, Always wants to complain about scholarships. All I have to say to that is, guys, if you're against uh, disenfranchised people having the opportunity to get a high quality education, and you're against that, and that's the hill you want to you want to stand on, then so be it. I guess we have different morals, but um, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely, wiped the floor with them too. Went to their home home uh, home field and just and drubbed them. And so it, last night they kept it going. Run ruled Lipscomb. 
I don't, I mean, I know it was a run rule, but I think there's only like inning left. So it doesn't know yeah. if it really counts, but yeah, they had a great bullpen day yesterday. Ryan Ginther, he looked really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the bats just keep on rolling, man. Maldonado, Davis, Parker Nolan, who maybe has the hottest bat of them all right now. I think he went over last night. Don't quote me on it, but I think he went over last night. But who cares after the weekend he had? I mean, yeah. he could he could go on a, he could go on a little uh he could go on a little slumber right now. I don't think yeah. anybody would care. And Trevor, you got to be on TV. You got a little TV action, a little TV I did. time as well. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to they'll never do this again during the season, I imagine. But finally, they the the tickets were GA. I got there right as the gates opened for uh, 6 p.m. first pitch. Um, gates open at 4 30. I like to get to baseball games or I like to watch batting practice. Got there at 4 30. I walked directly behind and me and Billy had me and Billy during an old miss game tried to in the eighth inning tried to sit behind home plate <laughs> and the security guy was like you guys got tickets and we're like bro dog it's the eighth inning <laughs> like, let us sit over here so but I we I finally got to sit behind home plate first time I've ever gotten to sit behind home plate in years of going to Hawkins uh yeah it was awesome I was totally tapped in I'm very proud of myself that I didn't <laughs> flinch at any foul ball that came towards me. I mentally prepared going that's, to the ball game. Big. I was like, I was like, do not flinch. Show that you've man. been here before. A, we- Show a, that you've a been lesser here before. man would have flinched. Good thing you're you're not a lesser <laughs> every man every man. time a foul ball came directly back, and I just stood like a stone. I was like, I looked at everybody else flinching. I was like, been there, and done that, baby. Billy and Trevor, they cover baseball for the door report. I, I, you know, I'm just gonna say it. I'll get into it and have a lot more opinions as we go. But I have to reference, and I'm shocked you didn't bring it up. The art imitating life with the final score of oh, the third I game will. in the I, Mississippi I was, State I'll series. Get there, yeah. I just assumed that would be one of the first things that Trevor referenced. But the yeah, 11 to 7 it was poetic. was just almost it too was. Beautiful. It's almost like a <laughs> Disney movie the way that played out. I it really was a more. divine act. I definitely want to talk more about that. We'll get into baseball. We'll get into our Vanderbilt basketball season recap, and we'll get to your fan comments and questions as well. Before we do, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, let's start with baseball, guys. We'll, we will get to basketball. The B for this will be basketball. Uh, but I, I want to touch a little bit more. There, there's so many incredible stats and numbers mm-hmm. out of this weekend in Starkville. Will, you mentioned the score uh, of game three, 11 to seven, which was poetic. Game one, 26 to three in seven innings. Game two, 18 to five. I mean, just pure domination in Starkville. 
And speaking of the Magnolia State, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are both 0-6 in SEC play. That has never happened before. They've been playing baseball in the SEC since 1933. So, you know, you, there's probably a lot of people saying, yeah, these teams are awful. But I think you have to give Vanderbilt credit, too, for being the team that has dominated both uh, the Mississippi teams uh, here in the past couple of weeks. Uh, guys, there's I saw a graphic on uh, – I think it was during game two. They popped up this graphic. Or no, it had to be game three after six games. But Vandy has a plus 63 run differential in the first six games, highest by an SEC team since 1992. 84 runs scored in the first six games, most since South Carolina in 1996. First SEC team to start 6-0 and with every win, every win by at least three runs since 1992. So 92, obviously, that's when the, the SEC expanded to 12 teams. But, I mean, what they're doing is historical right now. I, I mean, it, it, yeah. it really is. And I know we said after the Ole Miss game, it's like, okay, let's see. Let's see how they how they take it into Starkville. Let's see if they can keep it rolling. Well, they did. 6-0 and in the SEC for the first time since 1972. Trevor, no Tim Corbin team has ever started SEC play since uh, – SEC play 6-0. and um, So, I mean, that's incredible. They got South yeah. Carolina in a few weeks. They're tied for first in the East with South Carolina Massive right now. Massive series. Yeah, big series against the Gamecocks in Nashville. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but – but try, I mean, some of those numbers are ridiculous. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Vandy, a Vandy team under Tim Corbin hasn't started six and zero ever. I mean, it, that was crazy. And to they've me had saw that. some historic baseball teams. Yeah, and have had a crazy consistency. Whenever you do think about um, consistent teams in college baseball, you think about your South Carolinas, your um, USC's, your Oregon States, Florida's, Vanderbilt's run over over the past decade has truly been historic like something that college baseball really hasn't ever seen but man talking about that mississippi state series i mean just just friday alone yeah just friday alone final score 26 to 3 vanderbilt only left six runners on base only left six that's insane is that good i mean that <laughs> goodness i mean everybody got i mean everybody got in uh, Enrique Bradfield. I want to talk about him a little bit too. We kind of harped on his bat, yep. um, and and rightfully so early on. Um, I don't know what his OBP is. I'd imagine it's through the roof, but um, I believe his batting average is above two eighty now. So he's getting close to batting three hundred. So he's starting to get it going. Um, I mean, man, everything is clicking for this for this Vandy boys team. Pitching, hitting. Um, I think you have a Golden Spike winner at shortstop and Jonathan Vastine. Um, you have maybe the best defender in all of college baseball in center field in Enrique Bradfield. I mean, everything I mean he makes everything a, look easy. Everything you want in a baseball team, man, they have right now. Like there's no I don't I just I don't see and I, then again, I very well could be biased, but like I just look at this past weekend and the weekend before us. I don't know if I see any weak links in in this Vandy Boys team right now. I really not, don't. Not so far. Um and, and especially with Parker Nolan, I mean, if he plays like that, and th this team down the stretch when you when you get to that SEC competition is looking pretty good. I mean, SEC co-player of the week for Nolan, eight for 15, two walks, a double, three home runs, 14 RBIs. Fifth player in SEC history to hit two grand slams in a single game, and he matched the SEC record while breaking the Vandy record with 11 RBIs on Friday night. I mean, he was he was five away from the ridiculous. NCAA single game record in that he was 
the NCAA record for single game was 16 RBIs. He was five away. That's the line. I mean, Will that's the line in the box score. Will Will's eyes popped out at <laughs> the Nolan the Nolan look, slash line. The numbers that they were putting up had me actually watching, had me tuning in. <laughs> this is the time of the year I told you I would start tuning in a little more, tuning in a little more because you're actually seeing the team start to develop. You're seeing them start to become, you know, actually like Trevor said, right now we can't see any issues. I'm sure that during SEC play, we're going to yeah. start to see some issues. Yeah. This is when I think the real issues in baseball start to expose themselves because you kind of are putting your best on best uh, as the series continue to roll on in conference yeah. play. So this is when I said I was box score watching before. I think next episode will be the first time. Yeah. That probably fully will not be the case for me. And I'll probably be a little more opinionated. Well, well, I want to give you credit though, right? The first time we started talking baseball, all three of us together here, uh, I guess it was what almost a month ago now when the season started getting rolling. Um, you know, you you gave you basically gave uh Vandy fans a message of let's calm down. Let, let's He's calm totally down with right. the bats. And you were hundred percent right. Ab- he absolutely I mean, was right. They have 10 players with at least three home runs already this season which is the most in the SEC, they had nine players with three home runs all of last year. So already, and you said this is the time you start realizing what a team might be. Well, they got 10 guys with at least three home runs. They didn't even get there last year. So I, I, I think you're seeing a, an offensive shift, and you you saw it in the offseason. You know, obviously Mike Baxter, we've talked about him a lot, but guys, you can tell a difference now with these bats. I don't know yeah. what they did within within the methods of their program. Uh, I, I I did hear they were using wood bats uh, more often, like really close to the start of the season. So I think that might really you know, that might, yeah. I, I heard I heard oh, they changed cool. yeah they changed some some of their methods. So, but Will, I, I want to give you credit for that because I think you hammered that home, and we need we should say that every year because yeah. it happens every year. I mean, we we see it happen. Other than last year was, I don't think, you know, it was some somewhat of an of, of an anomaly. You know, because it of absolutely what was an anomaly for a Tim Corbin baseball team. Right. So was. I don't think I guess you couldn't have said it last year, but most Vanderbilt years, you can say it. This team, their teams get better, and, and they start hitting their hitting better. They start finding a groove. So, Will, I, credit to you for saying that. And I mean, you you were right. Hashtag Will was right. <laughs> Will was right. I'm glad I got to say it because I was so wrong during basketball season. <laughs> it's nice to be correct on at least one sport. It's funny that it's like the one that I kind of am emotionally separated from the most. <laughs> like I'm still very like compared to like a normal person that's not insane. I am very passionate about Vanderbilt baseball, but <laughs> compared to my passion for Vanderbilt football and basketball, it's definitely the one that I can take a step back right. more from. And it's so funny that so often during basketball season this podcast was quite emotionally fueled but i watched every <laughs> single second of that team play and i was wrong so often and it it's so incredible. i think like just seeing it through the gold lens even when you are really attempting to take a step back there there's just no way to fake it it's like you just have to be emotionally uninvested which is about to become impossible for me uh, so <laughs> my takes my takes will become less and less I, I would say potentially correct as I continue to watch more in a way that's almost funny. It's like my mother wins the NCAA bracket challenge that we do as a yep. family every year uh, <laughs> between me, my dad and brother who watch basketball the entire season. My mom just picks the bracket just 
however she wants, she always beats us. So it's kind of the same thing here. It's like you guys know <laughs> stats, run through the box score, and I'll be like, yeah, it's just chill. It'll, it'll you know, well, it'll shape out, and that ends up kind of being the right take. So uh, I, I won't even take credit for it. It was just like, God, it's, chill. <laughs> it's what probably everybody was uh, wanting to say to me uh, during that episode in the middle of the basketball season. It's like, just chill. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. And that unfortunately has not played out that great. So. Roles reversed here a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, no, Maybe no. if we all step back from Vanderbilt Athletics and just did a pod, our takes might be a lot better. <laughs> we would just we would just have absolutely a hundred and ten percent correct takes all more the time. accurate, <laughs> less entertaining. Yeah, but I think that's part of the TDR value. You get that <laughs> you get that raw emotion uh right after a gate or a, the day after a game and you see that roller coaster but guys we, we have a lot to get to moving into basketball i mean you talk about beef uh in terms of baseball they uh, like i mentioned they beat lipscomb last night they host georgia uh, this weekend so man pretty light start to the sec schedule you can't say that very often but boy does it he stinks with- too by the way guys yeah, so but I I'm not I'm not I'm not giving any excuses here, but it has been a somewhat of a light start. Uh, let's not you discredit ex- Ole Miss. Let's not discredit right. Ole Miss. Just because they yeah. were number three in the country when Vanderbilt. Right. They were defending national champs. Yeah. 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 Now but that Vanderbilt look beat at the shit out of them, everybody's like, We all knew they weren't that good. I'm like, oh, yeah. they have, I don't know. They have more scholarships, guys. Of course they're gonna win. <laughs> and then you turn around they get swept by florida as well so all of a sudden the magnolia state their their pride for baseball is not looking too uh too good right now but uh, yeah we'll, about the state of mississippi <laughs> we'll get to more baseball but guys let's start with basketball there have been some transfer portal entries uh, as there is every year uh from a jerry stackhouse roster uh malik dia noah shelby miles studi jordan wright and Trey Thomas and Tyron Lawrence has declared for the draft. He's testing the waters. Scotty Pippen did the same and he returned. So I think fans are hoping to, to look forward to that Four scholarship spots have opened up guys. So boys, there room on this roster. Now uh, I heard Stackhouse has his eye on a, a good post player in the portal uh, talking to Lee Fowler a couple of days ago. So, you know, and he's, he's tight with stack. So, you know, who knows what happens there? But just real quick, guys, not surprised by Malik Dia, right? Oh, uh, a little bit. Uh, that that, I would that might be the surprised. most surprising. Out I didn't of the group see. Other than the, I didn't see the Malik Dia coming because Malik Dia, like I didn't see that happening. Because think about like I did. He didn't have an expectation of a ton of playing time as a freshman in my mind, at least. Uh, sitting behind Liam Robbins, coming in alongside Lee Dort, and having QMB on the roster. Right. And he actually did break into the rotation is right. the crazy part. And he's still transferring out, but granted he may, he was being used how he didn't want to or whatever. But to me, that uh-huh. one was surprising. Yeah. Agree, that was Trev? a little bit surprising to me as well. Yeah. The, I mean, and we'll get to the Tyron Lawrence situation, but other than Tyron, that the deal was probably the most surprising to me. Okay. Shelby, obviously not a surprise. I mean, I remember we had talked to uh, his dad in a space, you know, a couple months ago and, I'm not. I don't, I don't want to say that that talking to his dad was reassuring because I, th- I think in the moment it might have been, but you know Shelby, uh, no no surprise there. Uh, that's actually one that I kind of knew was going to happen, and yeah. you know we didn't really talk about it. But it's almost know. like we were in denial. No. Like does this like- does this mean? I, I mean, I guess it has to that Dort and 
uh, Shelby are no longer like thought of as a package deal. I think if if they didn't leave together, I I, I don't see that being because a package. Dort has, I could be wrong. Has a real deal role next year. Like mm-hmm. he's he will be a rotation guy. There might be games to where he starts. Like he's going to be a he's going to be a twenty twenty five minute a game guy. And the season after that, he's the guy. I mean, exactly. He's, he's yeah. like centerpiece five. So, but Shelby's wasn't. Shelby is probably one of the only guys that I look at, and that decision is one hundred percent in his situation. I, without a doubt, would have done the same thing. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I would look at that current roster. I would look at the lack of. I understand practice. I understand practice opportunities. Okay, like shut the hell up. AI talking about practice, like game opportunities. <laughs> he he got the least opportunities of any scholarship player on that roster to actually play and get live reps in games. And he was coming in with given the expectation, I'm sure in recruiting that that would not be the case. And he watched, especially at the beginning of the year, this team struggled to shoot the ball and had a guy with very similar issues, uh, similar to his on the defensive end of the court, very similar stature, that was mm-hmm. shooting terribly all year and continuously Noah Shelby was just not getting an opportunity for whatever reason from Jerry Stackhouse. So that's the one guy I just had to put out there is like, no, I no always surprise. respect the guy's decision, yeah. but Noah Shelby is like, okay, like that is 100% that's, that's understandable. A, yeah, right. like, yeah. A better yeah, that, situation for him. Cause I don't understand that from stack. Like, yeah, he basically I think, just pushed him to the end of the bench and pushed him out of the program. Yeah. I, that was confusing. I mean that 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 you look at Shelby and his trajectory. He played a good amount the first you know first kind of quarter of the season, um, and then a little bit as you started SEC play. But you know that final stretch of the season, he didn't see the floor. Uh, so mm-hmm. that you know kind of a telltale sign of what might happen. And we figured out what happened. Shelby transferred out. All right, Jordan Wright. This is the big one. And uh, I tweeted this out. We got a lot of interaction from that tweet, by the way. I didn't expect it. But um, Jordan Wright, guys, we I think throughout the season, we had sort of chronicled his, uh, I don't know about if you could say relationship with Stack, but, you know, kind of some of the bickering and some of the obvious um, on-court uh, maybe disputes. And you could just sort of tell. You know, you could tell he was coming off the bench and, um, you know, hearsay, you hear things. Um, and, and it just it didn't feel good, but at the same time, I think back to that Kentucky post game interview with Coach Stackhouse, and the guy he starts crying. I mean, he he he, you know, he starts crying, and and he's talking about Jordan and the journey they've been on. <clears throat> and I thought in the moment, okay, there's no way Jordan's leaving. You know, I mean, I, I that that's in the moment that was my thought, but it uh-huh. could have been more of a. This is almost our time together is is coming to an end and and it's been a qu- quite the journey you know and and maybe Jordan has had already made his mind up I don't know there's so many things we don't know but I will say guys I was I was caught off guard by this because um, you know I didn't I'm not saying I expected him 100 to come back but at the same time you know you look at him and you say okay he has a chance to play one more year at another Division one school potentially get paid uh you you don't blame the kid so i want to i'm interested i'm interested will where are you at on uh on jordan Wright here he's like a lot of guys on this list it's not that it's shocking or anything it's just 
it's unexpected, which I know are relatively synonyms, but it's not that like I saw Jordan Wright was entering the transfer portal and some other names as well that we're about to get to. And it wasn't like I went, what the hell? Like, no way. It was more like, I didn't expect that. That's just not, that was not in my mind. It's like, it's one thing to envision it, but then it actually happens. And it's like, I I just expected as I was reading that, I almost expected that that to be him announcing that he was done playing basketball, that like he was retiring because of the back issues or whatever. And it was, he's entering the grad transfer portal. And to me, that's just surprising because he has a place here at Vanderbilt. Um, he'd had the internship that they always talk about on ESPN yeah. every single time he's wanting to do sports management, be a GM. Like yeah. He was big with the anchor it's collective his... too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, collective, to yeah. Me, it's just surprising. And you're giving up, a graduate of basically a free graduate year and graduate degree from Vanderbilt university. That's uh, rare. Maybe he's, but yeah. maybe he's moving back home. Maybe he wants to play uh, closer to home. That's, that's the part that I think gets taken out of this equation. A lot of the time when it's not a guy that's probably going to be playing professional basketball. And I don't think Jordan Wright thinks he's going to be playing in the NBA. I could be wrong, but these are just like, they're making a life decision sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's just yeah. like, I'm done here, like whatever relationships and we don't really know. And that's the weird part about this is like everything that we had seen publicly would have never expected Jordan Wright to leave and enter the grad transfer portal. And Trevor, I see you nodding. I don't think that any of us on this podcast expected Jordan to leave, but I did message him. He posted it on Instagram uh, and said, you know, good luck wherever you land. Like, whatever and he said yeah thanks for uh thanks for always you know supporting what a guy by the way yeah so just wanted to say that like obviously he was aware of what was going on here at at, with the pod and everything and he oh yeah i mean at least said that as a thank you so uh but good luck i I do want to put that in here like in the middle i always like to remind at a point it's like good luck to all these guys where they land like i Mm -hmm. never yeah root for these guys to do poorly unless they exit in some kind of you know bad way yeah it is kind of weird yeah like jordan wright was kind of what we expected to potentially be an anchor of this team next season same thing uh with some other guys on this list but it's just the whole outlook for next season is is turned on its head a complete 180 as michael scott would say my how turns have tabled (laughs) And, and and will that's totally that's that's very much where i am at with jordan uh i said earlier whenever we were discussing i was like dia was my most shocking now that i think about it he still probably is but this jordan one sort of took me it's puzzling it, it and because and, and i totally agree with what will says here's my thing we don't know what <laughs> happened in the exit interviews there have been rumors there have been murmurs um, but ultimately, we don't know. We don't have that sort of insider access. But like Will said, whenever you were looking to the 2023-2024 team, Jordan Wright, and we'll get to tie, but Jordan Wright was going to be a staple of this basketball team. He was going to be uh, going into this season at SEC Media Days. Jerry brought uh, – he brought Jordan and was like, hey, I've told him before that it wasn't his time to be the guy – and I, but I've told him now, like, hey, now's your time to be the guy. Um, and I know we've addressed the back issues. He he was not a hundred percent all year long. Um, that is incredibly evident. Um, I just, it is puzzling to me because, don't get me wrong, there are other basketball programs that are light years ahead of Vanderbilt. I just don't know 
and and we'll find out. We'll we'll see what his role is at what other school he chooses to go to. I just don't know what his role if his role is going to be any better at these other schools than it would have been at Vanderbilt. I just you're you're in a system that you know with a coach who you who you know with a staff that you know with guys who you know you know you are in a familiar situation to where you are going to be the guy. There's no ifs, there's, there's no question marks. Like there's no learning new things. Like right. it's, you know what you have to do. And I, I just, I don't know how he's going to get that anywhere else. Like, I don't know where else Jordan, someone like Jordan Wright is going to go. And with his sort of skill set, with his sort of play style, with the guys, um, with the teams who are looking for someone like him to fill a roster spot, I just don't know where he's going to get that at anywhere other than Vanderbilt. So that's, well, that, that is that's, where I'm that's at. Where there, are cer- there are certain guys that transfer that immediately your thought is more, and I don't mean this how it's going to come off, but I'm just going to say it, is like there's some guys, and we're about to get to another name, that transfer and you say, where the hell are they going to go? Like that's who is, that's exactly how I felt going about to, it, and and I love Jordan Wright. I think he's you know he's been a part of a very tough stretch of Vanderbilt basketball and stuck through it. But who's yeah. going to want a guy with one year of eligibility left? It's going to take up a scholarship that you know without a doubt is going to miss time due to injury, and yeah. he's a one year rental, and he's going to miss time with an injury. Like he's not going to upgrade programs. And maybe that's not his goal. Maybe he's looking for a bigger role. I just don't see that. And I don't, and like I said, this one feels like we just don't have some type of information around yep. it. So that's that's, that's yeah. what it, there's a logical, there's something missing there uh, in mm-hmm. this decision that is, that, that we don't know. Well, and, yeah. and that's why I was a little surprised, right? Initially, because he was so entrenched in the community. Uh, he, he did a lot of good at Vanderbilt. <clears throat> you know, the journey was unbelievable i mean you know and maybe it was a situation where he said i've done what i can do at vanderbilt um i'm i'm looking to potentially move closer to home who knows uh but i'm gonna throw this out there lsu keep an eye on them uh just keep an eye on them because i i think that could be he's from baton rouge so that's obviously could be an option there but again we don't know and and it's all we never like to speculate too much here we just want to provide opinions info on these guys one more guy, Trey Thomas. <clears throat> Good old Trey Thomas has uh, entered the portal. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, guys, when, when you talk about Trey, um, he made a lot of really big shots at, at Vanderbilt. Um, and, you know, he he did a lot of good. But at the same time, I think down the stretch of this season, you know, and we talked about it. We talked about when he hits shots – his defense almost looks better. Like it does, you don't you don't think about the defense as much. But when he's not hitting shots, the defense becomes sort of a a, a lot glaring issue, a lot more glaring issue. Uh, so I'll say this about Trey. Like I said, I think he hit a lot of big shots. Uh, not surprised by the decision to transfer. I didn't. I wouldn't say I expected it because I thought, and we talked about it being some similar to a Mike Wright situation where. You know, he's staying, but fans may not quite be so pleased with that. So, you know, it's kind of that (laughs) that type of situation. But again, Trey Thomas uh, did a lot of good. But I think this is another situation, Will, where good for him. Go go see what else works for him, whether it's a Uh mid-major or whatever. Uh, But good for him. Go play. 
go find a good situation and uh you know good luck i mean i don't that's that that the conundrum is is done with trey thomas in terms of fans and their perception of him but not to bash the guy i thought he hit a lot of big shots and big moments that helped this team win this year so it's sort of you get both sides you know with, with trey thomas look the the reality is trey thomas is not and was never a high level power conference basketball player he he physically is not he's too small he's a liability on defense he's going to transfer to a mid-major I mean he will go to the level of basketball that he is built for and that sounds really really harsh but that's real <laughs> like this is one of those that I don't really understand unless there was a conversation with Jerry Stackhouse that sounded very similar to that maybe a little bit more sensitive on the delivery this one feels like kind of a, a natural correction, I would say. Uh-huh. Trey Thomas is a great shooter, and he's going to put up great numbers uh, if he transfers to a mid-major level program. And that's about as harsh as I'm going to be on one of these transfers, but this is one that I bit my tongue a lot when he was still part of the roster, but, I mean, everyone could see it. Th- that was the guy that was getting minutes over Noah Shelby that made me want to rip my hair out of my head that I just still don't understand. And now with three years of eligibility remaining, I believe now Trey Thomas is gone as well. So Jerry Stackhouse's decision to play him over Noah Shelby makes even less sense now. And he's driven away both of the best shooters on this roster. So there we go. Saying Trey Thomas has three years of eligibility left. Like it, I don't have a lot of like horsepower in my head, but like that makes my head hurt. Like thinking that like he somehow like still has three years of basketball. Does he actually? I think so. It's what it says on 24 seven. Good. That's, that's unbelievable. This is, but yeah, I mean, Billy, I think the, I think the Mike Wright analogy was a great analogy. Um, Kudos to him, man. Yeah. Um, I think this is I think this is a lot like <laughs> I'm trying not to giggle. I think this is a lot like the Miles Studi situation too, to where like it works out for it's best for both parties involved. Like it's best for Vanderbilt yes. to have this open roster spot. And Trey, I mean, call it what it is, bud. Like you're not like a power six basketball player. So yeah, go to a mid-major, man. Put up some big numbers, have fun playing ball get you a, a NIL collective and become somebody's sharpshooter. Um, well, and what we're saying may sound harsh. And I know like Trevor, we're trying to kind of dance around it just a little bit, but <laughs> because I've been other, very critical of Trey. Thomas, other I'm trying to reel kind of, it back. This, is, <laughs> this without like, this isn't critical. This isn't a criticism. This is just facts is his other offers coming out of high school were Yale incarnate word, UMass, Niagara and rice and Vanderbilt. So he was Goodness. not a power yeah. six basketball player. I mean, that was a lot of the guys. That's a fact. Yeah. yeah. That was a fact. And so now he's going to transfer to the level of those other offers. And that's part of the problem as to why this team uh, went winless and, in SEC play is they didn't right. have the level of talent that was required to win conference games at the SEC level. And the yeah. recruiting, the re- guys, we are seeing sort of the, you know, you see a, the, sort of a cliff rocks going down a cliff after all the damage, the lack of recruiting success is starting to bite Vanderbilt unironically. Now, mm-hmm. Will, you just mentioned it, Trey Thomas, uh, a guy, and, and you see it indirectly in, in a lot of ways, you know, you've seen 
it feels like half of every recruiting class from Stackhouse ends up transferring. You know, I, I did some research, guys. 17 players have entered the portal under Jerry Stackhouse. S- 17 players. That's four guys, over four guys per av- average per year. So, and, and there's probably programs that are up there. There's probably programs that have more in the past four years. But the fact that it's been under one coach, mm-hmm. uh, one staff, not the same staff, you have, you've had some guys come in and out there. But, you know, you, you look at the past four years, and, and that's sort of what you think about in, in the Stackhouse era. You think about the some of the carnage, and and yes, this is the world of college basketball, but it, it's it's different when you don't have like you're not making the tournament, right? Like you can say that for a team like K State. Look at them; they're having success getting guys in the portal and 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 keeping that you know that culture together. I mean, Jerome Tang, this is his first year, and he grabbed a bunch of guys from the portal, and boom, they're in the Elite Eight. So I. It, I, yes, that's the era of college basketball, and I think with Stackhouse, this is probably the right decision for him and his staff, especially heading into year five where it is a win-now situation. And we, I, there was a tweet from Matthew Fisher-Davis. I don't think this is totally wrong either. It was it was a joke, but he said, Jerry Stackhouse might be acting like Deion Sanders with the, you know, I, I'm bringing my own luggage. It's Louie. There might be some truth to that, guys. I, I think – Stackhouse knows in his staff that they have to win in year five and it's tournament or bust. And and they know that and they're going to bring in guys now, whether they can Mm -hmm. win with those guys, that's another question, but that's where we're at with this program. The the lack of recruiting success early on those first couple of years has come back to bite them a little bit. Will? yeah, this is, you hit on it. I'm glad you said it. It's why I don't think we have been like the sky is falling yet. I mean, you see this number of transfers out, okay? Right. And Let, let's most, relax. Yeah. Yeah. Most programs would immediately say, oh, like this next year is going to be a disaster. Next year is going to be a nightmare. And it might be, you know, at, there might not be an ultimate plan. This might not be that situation. But that might also be true. Jerry Stackhouse may be clearing out roster spots that would otherwise have not been available to fill this roster with a team that can actually make the NCAA tournament. Not that's a very just, real point. Yeah. Not just be a bubble team. And he right. kind of sees the talent level that's there right now. And he's kind of, you know, clearing it out. And and we'll see. Because right now that it's been a little quiet in the transfer portal. Stack has had success in the transfer portal. He's had a lot of guys leave, like you said, and he's had some misses, but he's also brought in talent. Ezra Mignon. Liam Robbins, Rodney Chapman, those are key contributors. Right, yeah. Roster, if he can do that with three guys versus, you know, one or two, this roster could look better, even with all of these transfers out. So I'm not ready to, you know, ring the alarm and and sound the panic or hit the panic button yet. But unless there's some names that start popping up with a little more weight to them, that are potentially going to be playing in the black and gold next year. There, there has to be some pretty aggressive moves made this off season uh, by Jerry I, and, yeah. and the rest of the staff. Yeah. And when you see those names pop up that were going to be key contributors, it's also a lot in the air having Tyron Lawrence just hanging kind of up in that up in the air of where is he going to fall in the NBA draft scout process because that's going to either be Tyron Lawrence is your main guy next year and he's going to be your leading scorer for a majority of the season in almost every single game or he's not even going to be on the roster 
And right now you're kind of sitting in that middle zone. Is he going to be Scottie Pippen Jr. 2.0 and go through that process and ultimately decide to come back? I'm praying to God that is the case. Uh, But he could potentially be gone next year, and that leaves a pretty big scoring hole. Uh, when your leading returning scorer is Ezra Mignon at point guard, that is definitely not a guy that you would describe as a scoring offensive point guard. You took the words out of my mouth, Will. I was just mm-hmm. about to get to Tyron. And, uh, you know, we'll get to more. There's so much to get to. But with Tyron, let's – it's 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 going to be jumbled, but stick with us, guys. Tyron Lawrence, is he an NBA player? I'll I'll throw that out there. I think down the road, Yes. Uh, and, and hell guys, I mean, I think he could, I think he could succeed in the G league, uh, if he, you know, if he stayed with, stuck with this process and, uh, maybe signed a a contract going undrafted, but if he's not, if he's not hearing from scouts that he's a first or second round pick, he's probably coming back to Vanderbilt. And, you know, I, I think this is a good move, uh, from, I, I think you, I think as a player, you need to hear that from scouts and Tyron gets to hear that a year earlier. Say he didn't do this. You know, he gets to look at a scout can look at his game and say, all right, here's where you can improve here. You know, get, get, get your shot, right. You know, we saw your percentage, mm-hmm. get that up six, seven, eight points. You're in the NBA. You know, maybe that's, that's what they're going to tell him. And and if, if he agrees with it, he says, okay, I'm coming back. We saw the success Scotty had after that year of testing the waters. And man, was that a jolt? for the program to hear Scotty's coming back. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen's back. Oh my gosh. I mean, th- this team has a chance. And so I think that, that there's that potential with Tyron. So is he an NBA player now? I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, I, my gut says no, not yet, but boy, can he, I mean, can he be in the future? Yes. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting deal. It don't put too much stock into it. Fans, I mean, you know, you can look at Tyron and, and and immediately say, "Oh, he's gone now too." You got six guys, but it it's not. Let's wait and see, and and let's you know, let's ride this wave of 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 the the Tyron Lawrence draft process, and we'll see where it goes. So, um, but any other on on Tyron? I know we got a lot to get to. Will you had a? I thought those were great points, but Trevor, do you do you see him potentially being an NBA guy? And I totally agree, and I'm I'm right there in the boat with you guys that we are maintaining a uh, the sky is not falling attitude. I will say, if Tyron does uh, declare for the draft, I very much will be in a sky is falling mode. Um, I mean, he's the guy next year. He's your leading scorer. He's your team leader. He's your everything. He's he. He is Vanderbilt basketball for 2023 through 2024. Like he's your guy. He's your Scotty Pippen. Um, if he does declare, I will be in sky is falling mode. I, I don't, I mean, I don't really care who Jerry would get in the portal. Like I'd be freaking out. That's a guy you um, have to have. You have every to, other guy is replaceable. What that is, does except is for him, in the portal. that is exactly like, where I stand. Like everybody who's announced they're leaving, I'm like, okay, like that sucks, but like I get it. And like, I like, I wish Shelby would have stayed, but like just because of his upside. But I'm like, hey, dude, if I were you, I get it. Um, but if Ty, I mean, if he leaves, I'll be, but but too, like, I, I'm trying to find online, um, his like NBA draft projections. There's there's nothing up yet. He's not in really in any mock drafts at all. Um, do I think he is an NBA player? Yeah, I, I think eventually, I think probably after another year, he is. Could he be right now? I don't think so. But then again, I'm not an NBA scout, but like, I'd hate to see him go 
I'd hate to see him go, but man, he's got a little kid. And if somebody says like, Hey, we think we can get you in like the late second. And like, like I'd be devastated, but I'd That's be like, what Hey man, like Mandy fans. Yeah. You got, I mean, like, I don't know. You got a kid to feed. Like I'd do it. You know what I yeah. mean? But like, I would yeah. hate, I would hate, hate, hate everybody else is replaceable. Tyron Lawrence is not replaceable. I'd be no. really surprised if he goes. I think he's he wouldn't leave unless he got a first round grade because those second round NBA picks are non guaranteed contracts. Are iffy, yeah. yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the guys are going through the process, seeing kind of even if they're on the radar. I, I would be really surprised because I think Tyron, with another year playing how he did at the end of this season, is no doubt going to be at least one of the guys drafted in the second that a team has a clear plan for him. Uh, and doesn't just kind of pick him as a developmental guy. But right now, it's hard for me to see him not suiting up in the G League if he makes that yeah. decision next year. I, I and, think, too, yeah. I think too um, and this is the last thing I'll say about Tyron, the impact that Tyron could have by announcing that he's coming back to Vanderbilt is very similar to the impact that C.J. Taylor saying he's not entering the transfer portal was for Vandy football. Some guy who you see who you like – my God, he's got some star power. And mm-hmm. if you can get a guy like him back, even with everybody who's leaving, even with who you might bring in the portal, if you just see him on the roster next year, you're like, you think in your mind, you're like, dang, like, yeah, we could do some damage. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. He's one of those guys that he almost acts as like three players the way he, you know, he, he, he does so many things well. He can easily, I mean, we talked about his quiet performances, his quiet 24 points almost every night. And that's just what he is. He's a, he's a consistent bucket for you. And he's, he's kind of a, a safety valve and, and boy, do they need that? I mean, they, they, yeah. they need that. And we're going to get into what the roster looks like next year, but let's talk about this past season and the roller coaster ride that it was. Um, <laughs> uh, let's get into it guys. Uh, we're going to give a grade, but real quick, in one word, how would you describe this season? Well, uh, I'll start with you. I have mine. Hell, we might all have the same one, but one word to describe this this past Vanderbilt basketball season. So in the state of Tennessee, and especially here locally, I won't use one word because it's too simple because I want to say <laughs> roller coaster, and I know that's what everybody's going to say. But I feel that this basketball season overall needs a better description. So if anyone here has ever been to the Wilson County Fair, I'm sure that it that it travels amongst multiple fairs here. This <laughs> Vanderbilt basketball season felt specifically to me like the crazy mouse roller coaster, like very janky, very hard turns. I don't think anybody's ever gotten on the crazy mouse <laughs> fair roller coaster and been like, that was a fun roller coaster you come out you're like that was definitely a roller coaster and i'm beaten up and bruised from this hard metal bar and metal seat that was keeping me here (laughs) and this very uncomfortable jolting from this janky 40 year old (laughs) ride that travels on a truck that's what this Vanderbilt (laughs) basketball season felt like there were moments of existential joy uh, as you felt that things were deteriorating within this program but they were winning And so it was really hard to describe the ups and downs because it felt like the overall trajectory this season was kind of down outside of like a one 10 game stretch. What like, which sounds dumb because 10 games is like a third of the season, but every other part of this season was not very enjoyable. 
not very comfortable, a lot of ups and downs. So roller coaster is the simple one word answer, but specifically like a janky Wilson County fair roller coaster is how I would describe it. Trevor. That is, I've, I mean, that was, that was pretty perfect. That was pretty spot on. <laughs> Even using the Wilson County fair roller coaster analogy. I mean, if I oh, had to get that fair, if I had <laughs> to give one word, I don't a demented. I don't, <laughs> it was, it was such a, that's gotta be my logical season. This, yes, this season was demented. That is my word to describe Vanderbilt's basketball season. Um, yeah, there are parts of it that really freaking sucked. And there are parts of it that it was euphoric. some of the most fun. I've it literally, was, that were euphoric. Like some of the moments like were the most fun I've had at Memorial gym in ages. Um, I mean, overall it was it, as much fun as there was like, it was, it was a really frustrating season because of how you started and then you get some momentum going and you're like, Oh my God, like we could like, we could get there. Like we could get the tournament and then to have it like wrongfully like snatched from your hands. is just like, man, I mean, it, it just feels brutal, but even though this team did not make the tournament, I will say, I saw a lot of people say this online and I very, very much agree. I think history will shine kindly on this Vanderbilt basketball team as possible. As again, I, I, I could be totally wrong based on what happens next year, but I think history will shine favorably upon this basketball team as like the team that got Vanderbilt basketball back on track. Like the team that brought Memorial Magic back, the team that brought those crazed, raucous Memorial Maniac vibes in that gym back that we haven't seen in years. Um, I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans, a lot of like ones like us, if if the basketball team does progress like we hope it does, we'll look back on this team and be like, yeah, that was the start of of something. Yeah. All right. For me. It's unexplainable. I mean, it, 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 it is unexplainable that this season. So, you, you guys, you start with a loss to Memphis in the non-conference, and you continue the non-conference with a loss to Grambling, a loss to Southern Miss, a loss to VCU, where Stackhouse, it looked like he got arrested, but, you know, that was a Vanderbilt cop who ushered him out. But, guys, it, it was unexplainable. I mean, I, I wanted to go positive, and, and that can be positive or negative, but – I do agree with Trevor in that this train was off the tracks. I mean, th- this train was off the tracks and somehow, some way, found a way back on the tracks and back in the right path. And they they got it. They got some wins done. I mean, they they got some wins under their belt that we never thought were possible. But at the same time, you the NIT run was almost a, a little you know microcosm of the season where you you know. You have some excitement, but at the end of the day, you don't get the jo- the real job done of of making the tournament. You don't do what you have to do to get into the tournament, and they they just couldn't. They they couldn't get over that that next step. They couldn't get up to the first floor. So I'll say unexplainable. I mean, it, it it's almost it's hard to talk about because you have you have right. Well, you said those ten games where it's not just ten games. Like that's a that's a third of the season. But at the same time, you saw the beginning, the stretch of the season, and then, you know, you didn't get in the tournament, and then the NIT. So 
it's uh <laughs> man we we had a we had a good conversation uh just in the past few minutes but uh i can't stop laughing but uh but no guys we got a lot of fan comments um any other we're gonna get to our grades but any other final comments on this past vanderbilt season that that we just witnessed quite a few i really hope you leave in the part that i know you're gonna edit out because me and I've been really trying to hold it in while you were giving uh, your one word uh, for this basketball season. I could see in Trevor's eyes that he was as well. Uh, the dude, the basketball. I, my last thought was given in the part that Billy's going to edit out. So, Trevor, any last thoughts? <laughs> Trevor, I mean, it was. It's. I'm like thinking back about like the, the football season recaps whenever we gave out our grades. And I feel like it was pretty like clear cut and concise, like given like my standards, but I mean, for this basketball season, like I like, I mean, it was awesome and it was terrible. And it was, I hated Jerry Stackhouse and I swore that I was only going to watch Vanderbilt basketball so that they lose so that he might get fired by the end of February. And then, I found myself a memorial for almost the rest of the season. So I don't, I don't know. I feel manic. It makes me feel manic. Like I Tough just, to describe. Yeah. I feel like I'm, it, it really like makes me feel like I'm crazy. Manipulative relationship. It's like the perfect encapsulation of just being a Vanderbilt fan in one season mm-hmm. is how I would describe this basketball season. It's just perfectly it's, captured it's, in a micro. If somebody, if somebody, if yeah. somebody ever asks you, any Vandy fan listening, if somebody ever asks you, what's it like being a Vanderbilt fan? Describe this season. Just basically yeah. show them highlights of the Grambling State loss and then show the highlights of the Auburn Gosh. game and be like, that this is the the emotional roller coaster that, that fans went through. So literally I mean, just, everything, the injury, like even the injury to Liam Robbins as you're on a win streak, and then you beat Kentucky and Rupp in the game when Liam Robbins is out for the rest of the season due to oh an injury he has during the game. Like that is that is a a range of emotions being felt in one game of like you just lost your superstar center best player on the team like one of the best defenders probably the best defender in the conference but you also just beat kentucky and rough for the first time since what it it was a long time i know 2007 since 2007 that you so you had all that happen in one game and that can just be spread out through the entire season is the moment you felt you had a read on this team you were wrong whether Mm -hmm. it was positive or negative whatever you thought you were wrong at least uh i was Man, let's uh let's get to grades. We uh we gave out grades after the football season and we're going to grade the basketball season. And uh I'll start. I have mine right now and um it, it's it's so hard it's hard to grade because you look at the success and you go, "Man, you you got to give this this an A." I mean, they brought Memorial Magic back. I mean, they they did so many good things, but at the same time they didn't get the job done and they didn't take, they didn't quite take that step that a lot of fans were expecting. So for me, I, I was thinking about a C, but I'm going to put them in the B range and give this a B minus. I'm giving this season a B minus uh, because they did bring the magic back. They brought back so many, so many passionate old school Vanderbilt fans that love going to Memorial and and they wanted a reason to go back and they finally had a reason the five game winning streak 
and the the way they play, that their style of play and the the grit, the the never we're never dead, we're never out of it attitude. And so for me, I I look at the positives and I go, man, I I can't go see because of the the fact that they did they emotionally brought back a lot of Andy fans. And I've heard this firsthand from a lot of Vanderbilt fans saying, look, I'm in, I'm, I'm back in, I'm excited for next year, but at the same time, I couldn't go higher than a B minus just because of the disappointment, the, the disappointing results and the overall, you know, shock of not getting into the tournament, whether it was a real shock or not. And then you don't, you lose in the NIT quarterfinals for the second straight year. You couldn't win that big one, you got it at home this year. You know, we lost, they lost on the road last year. And I, I, I told myself after that Xavier loss on the road last year and said, if Vanda gets a home game in the NIT quarterfinals, they're going to win. They're going to win it. They're going to find a way to win, but they, they couldn't. They, they couldn't get over that edge. So for me, if they win that, that UAB game and get to, get to Vegas and maybe do some damage there, I, that could be in the B range just because of how they finished the whole season. But for me, I go B minus uh, just just because of some of that disappointment. But I'm in the they're in the B range because of some of the magic that was brought back, and uh, you know the the jolt of energy that that a lot of fans got and needed desperately. So, well, I'll go I'll go B minus. I'm interested uh, to see where y'all go. I'm pretty similar to you, I think, in my train of thought. Uh, I'm. I'm going with the C plus you gave a B minus. I'll go with the C plus, but I think that you're just on the other side a little bit of, of where I was. And I think maybe my expectations going into the year were a little bit higher than yours. I just thought Ezra Mignon and Liam Robbins and Tyron and miles that they were just and Jordan, Wright were just going to be kind of almost truly bringing back Vanderbilt basketball old. I thought this team would be on the edge, like the others receiving votes in the top 25 and they just didn't come out and play that way. And they kind of hit their stride for a little bit in that 10-11 game stretch that we talked about. But ultimately, uh, it wasn't enough. So I'm even a little hesitant to give it the C+. And not because they didn't do all the things that you guys have hit on. They brought back Memorial Magic. The buzzer beater against Tennessee, against Auburn. Those were incredible moments. And I was lucky enough to be there with a great view of the buzzer beater by Magnon against Auburn. They beat Kentucky and were up. Like, all those are great things, but ultimately, I think you said this team will be remembered as the team that brought back Memorial Magic, and and I think that is true in more of like a micro perspective on this program. I think ultimately, in 20 years, I mean, this team is just another NIT team, um, six guys transferred out afterwards, you're not, re- and I know that shouldn't really factor into the grade that I'm giving an, in a recap of a season. But right. the expectation for me was for this team to be a legitimate tournament team, like a legitimate, at least bubble team. And by the committee standards, they simply weren't. So that's why I was even a little bit lenient, I would say. But I'll go with a C plus. Billy, you want B minus. Trevor, where do you fall? I'm going to give. I'm going to give this team. Not a C plus, but I'll give them a C. Um, I'm right there with you, Will. At the start of the season, I said that this team was a tournament or bust team. I reeled back on that a little bit during the season, although I do, I totally agree. I think they should have been a tournament team. Um, 
I think at the end of the season, they were a tournament team that why they didn't get in is a whole nother story that we've hashed out a dozen, which times and every single time I think about it, it still makes me angry, but I'm going to give them a C because I do agree. They made some big, big strides. The Tennessee game, bringing back Memorial Magic, beating Kentucky twice, Auburn, Mississippi State, sweeping Florida. They made some huge strides as a program, but they also missed some layups. Like if this is a math test, they're acing some like Algebra 2 questions, but then like there's some like four plus three that they just – botched um and so yeah i think of the southern miss game i think of the grambling state i think of vcu i think of lsu i think those are i mean there's that's like two plus two yeah exactly yeah i mean this yeah this team made great strides but they also they also missed the mark really bad in a lot of games um where I think they they made up some ground is I think at the end of the season, like we've discussed, they made some huge, huge strides. They got hot at the end when it really matters. Um, but in the end, they came up short. Um, I don't think C is necessarily a bad grade. Like, it's obviously not like an A, which is excellent, but it's not like a D either or an F. Like, you're still passing, but it's like you, you're just kind of like, if you got a C, you're like, well, it's not an F, but you're kind of like, eh. Like if you know what I mean? You're like, happened, if this season would have happened last year, this would have been like a B plus. If this exact season would have happened last season, and I think that, that's yeah. where we're sitting at is like overall, it wasn't a step backwards, and so that's why a C. Like I get what you're saying is that doesn't mean you were just like meh, whatever. Yeah. It's just like you didn't exceed average expectations of the talent on this roster of like yeah what you would see as before the season. This season kind of goes meh, in my opinion, with the talent that was on the roster. A meh season with this talent would be an NIT berth and winning a game or two in the NIT. That would have been a meh season with the potential that the combo of all that talent actually meshing together and playing to the best of their abilities would have been an NCAA tournament run, you know, in the game too. So those are very different ends of the spectrum. I think too, and like another thing is like if you if before the season started, if you told us you're like here's Vanderbilt's final record, they made it to the NIT. This is this is what happened. You don't tell us who we beat or who we lost to. Mm-hmm. I think most Vanderbilt fans would be like, "Yo, that sucks." Like mm-hmm. they should have been like this is not acceptable given like the progress that we have. <laughs> but whenever you break it down and you're like. Yeah, they had some bad losses, but man, a historic win against Tennessee on a buzzer beater, beating Kentucky twice. Like, then it sort of it sort of softens the blow a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean? So it just, I mean, it's 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 hard to put your thumb on it because I I want to say that this season was a B. Like, I want to say that this was a good season, but like, I just. When I when I because whenever I think about the wins individually, I'm like, man, those are some great wins. But like collectively as a whole, like a whole grade for the season, like I just I want more. I think all Vanderbilt fans want more. Like I don't know if anybody is satisfied with this season. 
you can't the LSU the LSU loss in the middle of the stretch that we are talking about. So the middle I of mean, what the best basketball punch, that dude. was played that mm. was that was played by this team. That was the game that that loss specifically. I know it was on the road, but it is still in the middle of the best stretch of basketball you're playing, playing the worst team in the conference. Mm-hmm. And you come out and you don't just get beaten, you get beaten badly by that LSU team. LSU pretty much controlled the, the mm-hmm. game, at least the entire yeah. second half. So that's just one of those when we describe the season as a roller coaster and demented is that doesn't make any sense that doesn't compute that's the four plus three on the four plus three question that you get wrong on the cal three final yeah. exam a- after like, this like- after this test for for like a teacher would be like man is this person smart or are they like is this a they'll be like, like, like did they cheat yeah. like what it like if you got five complex calculus questions mm-hmm. in a row right and then on the exam the teacher the professor is going to be like hey i'm going to give you a break after these really five these five really tough questions what's 10 plus 12 and you're like four they're going to be like what in god's name are you doing you know what i mean they're like that that's almost kind of like what we were saying where i think we were hitting on some things that that game was like a signal that yes the winning is kind of hiding but clearly there's something going on i don't know what it is we still don't know what it is and we will never know what it is but that many guys don't transfer off of a team that had relatively positive momentum at the end of the season. That many guys don't leave unless there were some issues and whatever yeah. those issues were and whatever direction they were coming from is up in the air, but something was going on that wasn't right in that locker room and teams that are kind of very focused, everything's moving in the right direction. I just don't think they dropped that game to LSU midweek. I know that's easy looking back to say now, but five guys are gone from that yeah. roster so something is yeah. going on yeah i mean every game you really couldn't predict i mean we tried to make predictions for games but we gave up and basically said we're we're done predicting like like we don't know what's going to happen i think it was the auburn game, game that yeah I, was it the auburn games where you were like we have I, I, yeah no we were like clue. we don't know <laughs> yeah and we didn't make predictions for mississippi state or lsu because we didn't know we, we never knew what this team was going to come with so well There's the grade. I made a prediction for LSU. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a prediction. <laughs> Will got dragged on VandySports.com for it. My dream. Oh, they man. dedicated an entire forum to, to, to our boy Will. <laughs> but that's if right, anybody that's... from there is listening, I'm not. I'm not. What? What? Is, what is? I the, called you like the... a financial analyst. I am a financial analyst. It's whatever they called me that was like, I'm not a financial advisor. Is what yeah, financial advisor. Yeah, a financial advisor is like a is like a salesman. That is not like what a money I money manager. That is yeah, not what I respect do. on his job. Yeah, I did IB IB U.S. stock risk management, and now I do corporate finance and prepare financial statements. I'm not a fucking personal advisor. Flex <laughs> on him, King. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, guys, let's get to next season. Just a little bit here. Taking a look at next year's starting five, Ezra Bagnon is the point guard. If Tyron Lawrence comes back, he'll be the two. At the three, it's most likely at where we stand right now, either Colin Smith or a portal guy. The four, maybe a portal guy. The five, maybe a portal guy. Is it QMB? Is it Lee Dort? You've also got Paul Lewis. You've got Isaiah West, uh, Roberts, and Lang, the other freshman. So, Man, it, it we don't know, and and with the with this team right now, they would not be a very good team. 
I, I don't think. Uh, but obviously, that's not where they would be at. Uh, they, they're likely going to bring in four guys from from the transfer portal. Uh, and, and, you know, I know they I think they they brought in a walk on, but that's not a scholarship spot, obviously. So they've got four open scholarship spots. But looking ahead to next season, guys, it's it's hard to project because we don't know who's going to be brought in. And even when guys are brought in, we don't know what to expect from those guys. So it's going to be yet another Vanderbilt basketball season where we don't know. And we have no we have no touch on the season, no touch on the program. It's probably going to be another roller coaster ride. But I will say if if Stackhouse brings in top level, top of the end transfers, then the, the expectations go up. And, and their expectations are already there. Right. Like, like the expectations haven't, I don't think they've slipped. And we got a question about that. But looking ahead to next season, guys, would you agree? Mignon, Lawrence at the two, Colin Smith might end up starting, by the way, too, at the three. And then I you think get he a couple, should. He yeah, will. Yeah. I think you he get a, should. I, he's totally earned it. Mignon, Lawrence, and Smith. And then does QMB start? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. You bring in a couple portal big guys, you bring in a, a couple guards for depth. And that's your team, I, I think. I mean, so looking ahead to next it, season, we don't know. <laughs> if Ty, if Tyron Lawrence comes back, if if Tyron Lawrence comes back, and I don't even have to get like a dominant five, but if you can bring me in a competent, competence too low, but if you if you bring me in a decent five with the backcourt of of Ty and Ezra, then let's run it. I feel very very confident. I I really do. If you if you bring back Tyron Lawrence, I feel really really good. Agreed. Yeah, this all comes down to Tyron Lawrence. I mean, any That's, any type yep. of preview that that or anything we do, depending on that decision, because Ezra Mignon and Tyron Lawrence and Colin Smith. And then Lee Dort and QMB, that, that's a core you can work with. That's a core. Yep. And Paul Lewis coming off the bench as a guard that showed some flashes. That is a core you can work with, bring in transfers to fill some holes. If Tyron Lawrence is not there, that means that Colin Smith is probably going to be have to be the primary offensive guy as a sophomore. And he showed flashes. But I'm not sure that Colin Smith is ready to carry the weight of this Vanderbilt offense completely on his shoulders. And that's what he would kind of be forced to do. Unless yeah. they had some insane transfer that that you know we haven't heard about, because most of these guys in the in the transfer portal, let's face it, they're probably going to be relatively role players. Now Liam Robbins, of course, and Ezra um, have turned out to be turned out to be incredible players, but they didn't make an immediate impact. You know, coming out of the gates, just playing their best ball, it took some time. You know, for them to ingratiate themselves right. into into the program and into the offensive system. So you're not going to just have this plug and play guy. That's going to drop 15 to 20 points a game. And that's what Tyron Lawrence is guaranteed to provide next season. And without knowing his status, it's, it's pretty impossible to know what to expect. Yeah. There's going to be pressure on Tyron Lawrence and Ezra to, to, you know, hold up their end of the bargain, but it's almost a different level of pressure for the transfers coming in. Because if you're Stackhouse, you're saying you're bringing those guys in, and asking them to to perform at a high level in the SEC and and hold up their end of the bargain and bring them in and say, guys, you, you've got to perform or else we're not winning. So there is a whole different type of pressure on those transfer guys coming in. And that brings us into the fan comments and questions. We start with the Admiral. If Tyron doesn't return, 59 out of 72 points per game is gone. 
Thoughts on who will step up? And are we keeping the same expectation of NCAA tournament or bust? Hashtag perpetual free agency. And yes, that's what it is. Um, thoughts on who will step up? I mean, Colin Smith is a guy that that's that's going to have to step up, and I think he can. Ezra Mignon is, is going to have to step up. He's got to develop that jump shot we talked about. But for me, guys, the player that I think has to and probably will step up is Lee Dort. I mean, you know, if you look at Lee Dort, he's either he's likely coming off the bench next year, but say an injury happens to one of the big portal guys they bring in, or one of the big portal guys isn't performing, then Lee Dort, it's it's up to you. I mean, I know Q and B is there, but Q and B is Q and B, right? Like that, you know, you, you get what you get from Q and B. But for me, the player that hustle from Q and B, yeah, <laughs> the the player that I think will and has to step up is Lee Dort. So that, that's who I would say. I mean, obviously you look at Colin Smith and Ezra Mignon as well, but at that position, you're replacing Liam Robbins. How do you do that? And it's going to be a team effort, right? From Lee, QMB, and, and another portal guy you bring in. But I look at Lee Dort as a big contributor next season because he he's going to have to be. So that's how I would answer that. Um, and, and I know there's other guys, but I think Lee Dort is a guy that comes to mind for me, especially because he's a post player down low. Yeah. Yeah. I, you hit on the players that have to step up. I just want to pretend like Tyron Lawrence, that's, that's not even a potential right. because you can't, he, if he's gone this season for better, or for worse, like not saying that the expectations for Jerry Stackhouse change, but the realistic expectations with the talent remaining on this roster of Lawrence is gone are bad. I mean, it, and unless some, I'm just completely missing something or missing some incredible transfers that we haven't heard about or some incredible recruit that's going to come in and make an immediate impact as, as a five-star true freshman. I don't see it. Now, the second part of the question, because you covered who would have to step up, is do the expectations change? And I, yeah, think I want to talk about that, this part, yeah. The answer is absolutely not. No, the expectations don't change. And there's one simple reason for that. You're still going into year five of the Jerry Stackhouse era. And college sports are different than professional sports because the college coach and his staff are responsible for the players on the roster. So having the excuse of the talent simply isn't there in year five, or we had, you know, lost a lot to the transfer portal or lost guys to graduation, that excuse works if you just had a successful NCAA tournament season. That is not the case. The expectations in year five for Jerry Stackhouse are still NCAA tournament or bust, regardless of who is on this roster. And if this team comes out and takes a step backwards after going to the NIT for two straight seasons and losing in the quarterfinals, or what was it, you know, after a couple games or whatever it yeah. was in the NIT. Quarters, yeah. Like, uh-huh. you can't take a step backwards. You've set the minimum as being the NIT, and even that this upcoming season would still be a disappointment. So I think you've kind of set yourself up in a tough spot if you're Jerry Stackhouse, because undoubtedly this roster is going to be less talented, but the expectations are going to be higher. I absolutely agree with with that point. I, and I, I don't think they should change. I, I think, to Will, what you said, um, this, is, this is just the trajectory of Vanderbilt basketball. And it's a good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing to continually up the ante, continually be like, hey, we did this, like, let's go higher. Like, that should be the expectation for, like, sports programs across the nation. And I think, too, 
Will, you, you said it great. If you change the goal, if you, if you move the goalpost and be like, okay, well, Tyron didn't come back. So let's settle for uh, NIT birth. Then, like the hashtag said, perpetual free agency, we're in like a perpetual like whirlwind of, of okay, we, we finally make progress. Vanderbilt basketball finally makes progress. Lose some guys. We're going to take a step back. We're going to lower the expectations again. And then you just do this whole shindig over and over again to where like expectations get high and you're like tournament or bust. Make a run. Make a run. Make a run. And then something happens, then you lower it again. And you, you can't do that. Eventually, change must happen to where you have to you you have to change the circumstance. You have to change the expectation to where, hey guys, we can't keep hitting the ceiling and then just being okay with bumping your noggin on the ceiling. You gotta get past it. You gotta you gotta make progress. You have you have to get to the tournament. You can't just keep saying NIT and then Oh well, we lost guys, so we'll go back to the NIT. Like it's just that's that's literally like college basketball purgatory, right? The the Vanderbilt standard is making the tournament. I mean, like consistently yes. making the NCAA tournament. That that's the standard. That'll always be the standard, right? And, and so we can't lose sight of that, you know. And, and I like before this season, we said year four, this should be a tournament team, and I will admit. You know, because of some of the things that happened, whether it was a Liam injury or I don't know, jet lack of gelling from the 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 first part of the season with the guys, I'll admit my posts might have slightly changed at least with with his team, but it was still, you know, you should still be on the bubble, and they were on the bubble, so it's it, it that's that's the hard part for me. But next year, it is tournament or bust. I mean, mm-hmm. the leniency no, no we question. gave where we moved the goalposts, Billy, and I don't even know. I think they just hit like the basic minimum expectations that we yeah. had going into this year were like be on the bubble, and they were minimally on the bubble. Yeah. But part of moving those goalposts just slightly was with the statement of next year, there will be no moving the goalposts regardless of what happens. So a lot of that had the caveat of, you know, we may be loosening up on what we said earlier. But next year, that won't happen yeah. because it's year five. There are no excuses in year five. There just aren't. No. That, that is enough time to have gone through an entire rotation of guys. And there are things about the transfer portal era that don't work in Vanderbilt's advantage. I don't I don't think this has gotten enough attention. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but Vanderbilt doesn't have an undergraduate business program. Okay. That's kind of a big deal when you're talking about guys transferring around uh, because a lot of athletes are undergraduate business majors. And so when you're just talking about generally, if a guy has two years of credit in whatever business program, that's not going to transfer to Vanderbilt in the same way. And academically, I think that's a part that we don't think about often. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's treated as a joke. Like people will laugh at that, but if it's different when you're talking about a university, just not having that program of study. Because they right. have a graduate business program. They have you yeah. know, Master of Finance, MBA program. But undergraduate, that's just not an option. It's not like a requirement to get into the school. It's just not there. So that's a part of this that is not talked about is that is a little bit of a difficulty that Vanderbilt could face. We've talked about the benefits of Vanderbilt having a very appealing grad program for guys to transfer into. Uh, but as far as undergrad guys, which seem to be pretty popular <laughs> 
throughout the yeah. country now 24 7 has a whole other ranking system for transfers now which is yep. crazy that yeah. we moved into that but there are some obstacles that that you don't see that i think vanderbilt might be facing as well um they can kind of limit them on what kind of guys they can go after yeah we've got it we've got to remember that and that's yeah. that's always been the case at, at vanderbilt um let's get to kendall richards he asks what's what's the next step for stackhouse and this program how can we build off the end of season momentum and carry it into the recruiting season and the beginning of next season? That's a loaded question. The next step is making a tournament. I mean, that's, that's the next step. So, um, you know, in terms of how they recruit, you know, he talked about carrying momentum into the recruiting season. I don't even think that applies. Momentum for recruiting with Jerry Stackhouse does not apply because we've seen he doesn't retain classes. I mean, he he, yeah. he, he at, at this point, especially the last couple of years, has put his emphasis, and this is his decision. He's he's decided to go with it, but he has placed his emphasis on the transfer portal. And so, you know, I don't even think we need to talk about recruiting momentum. And I could be wrong yeah. there. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Maybe Maybe a guy like Isaiah West turns into a good player, but history has shown us Isaiah West might not be here in two years. Like that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's how freshmen have, have, you know, have acted under Stackhouse and have, have operated. So, you know, I don't, I don't, how can we build off this momentum and carry it into the recruiting season? I think we need to shift that question into what do transfer portals think of this program or what do transfer portal guys think of Vanderbilt right now? Mm-hmm. And that's a big question. I mean, you know, you look at, okay, they just lost five guys, but they've got some pieces they might like Coach Stackhouse. They like the Memorial Magic. So I, I think right now, guys, Vanderbilt is appealing, yeah. right? Like, I, I, if you're a portal guy, and and you know, say you're a, you know, you're you have one more year of eligibility, and you want to play at a high level, it's pretty damn appealing for you know to to go to Vanderbilt. And say you even have two, but if you're an undergrad, maybe as Will said, not as appealing because if you if you want to go the business route or one of those other routes it might not work for you because of the academic requirements. But at the same time, even for an undergrad guy right now, I, I think, you know, that could be appealing. Say you have two or three years left and you want to come into a, a, a solid program. I think right now that the where Vanderbilt's program is at could be appealing to guys. So I don't know where y'all are at there. Uh, the next step, I think we all agree is making the tournament. Uh, how do they build off this momentum? Get big portal guys. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Like, I, it's, you know, you've got to secure maybe, I don't know if it's it, use the Anchor Collective, Anchor Impact, use NIL to whatever advantage you might have, but point to the success this season and and yeah. tell guys, say, look, look at our gym in, in these home games and how raucous it is and, and our, the home court advantage we have. You can come play in Nashville. So how do they build off it? Guys, how how do they? I I and I don't even I take away the recruiting part of that, by the way, because I don't think recruiting momentum exists uh, under under Stackhouse. I mean, that we're just in a different a different era. Basketball has always been weird yeah. because it, you had the one and done rule where guys were suddenly not allowed to at eighteen years old go and play professional basketball for some reason. It worked out so poorly for so many guys. I mean, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. I mean, those guys were just physically overwhelmed and their careers never developed. So thank God they implemented that rule. (laughs) But (laughs) basketball is, like you said, it's a transfer market now. 
but I I'm looking at all the guys that have transferred out and it's just kind of amazing looking at all the talent guys that you kind of forget about that were on this on this roster looking at 24 7 sports and I've lost DJ Harvey now DJ Harvey I just think about guys that have come in that Stackhouse missed on Taryn Frank remember that name I mean, oh, they're gosh, just, yep. the transfer portal is so odd and so new, and you're kind of just buying lottery tickets. You can get Ezra Mignon, you can get Liam Robbins, or you can have a Taron Frank situation where a guy comes in and he's just not quite the player that you expected. But next steps, how do you build? Colin Smith has to take a massive step forward. That's the guy I talked about him coming in as a true freshman that I kept hitting on is this is the guy from this class. This guy's different. Whenever he described his playing style as Paul George, that's when I immediately knew I was like, this guy's a different type of player. Yeah. He's got mm-hmm. a very good view at a young age and realistic view of what his game is. And you saw him get so much better from beginning of the season to the end. If he can continue to grow at the pace that he did throughout this season, he's going to take a massive step forward going into his sophomore year with a lot more opportunities for shots on the offensive end. But building off the momentum keep keep that phrase in mind you kind of lost all the momentum that you had there was positive yeah. momentum i would say that that's kind of gone right now and you, billy you hit on it it's kind of like when uh, cj taylor announced that he wasn't going to enter the transfer portal the momentum will come back if tyron lawrence announces he is returning and the momentum will fade even further away if he announces that he will be entering the nba draft fully so it just keeps coming back to, to that decision. There's a lot riding this, on Tyron Lawrence. This offseason yep. just yep. comes down to what's Tyron Lawrence doing, and that is going to be news we are all eagerly he, he is He is the white whale of Vanderbilt basketball. <laughs> yep. He's he's the guy. It's a little he, Moby Dick reference for all my literature boys out there. I love it. All right, Jacob Scholl chimes in. What's your transfer portal wish list? Man, it, we, we, uh, we get to uh, make up our Christmas list here, guys. Uh, for me, an unreasonable player, but I think a potential guy to watch and call me crazy, Caleb Love. At North I was going to say the same thing, Billy. And I listen, hear me out. He's likely not coming to Vandy, but he would be an example of a guy that I don't know if Stackhouse knows him or not, but he would be an example of a big name guy that we had no clue Vanderbilt could get. But Stackhouse being Jerry Stackhouse, as you've talked about, Will, I mean, he's Jerry Stackhouse. You you start to think of a little bit of Deion Sanders-type feel of, you know, older guys know him, but I think some younger kids know that name as well. And and he sort of rings a bell. So maybe Caleb Love. He was maybe, in a Young Gravy rap song, for God's sake. That was like the most popular song on TikTok for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just show him that song. Be like, here, here's here's my, my TikTok song for you. But <laughs> um, but no, Severe Wheeler is another guy from Kentucky. I I never thought he was that great of a player, but maybe as a combo guard with Ezra could fit in nicely. Uh Damian Dunn, though, is the guy for me from Temple. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played with Stackhouse on his AAU team. He, Stackhouse coached him. He didn't play with Jerry. Um, but Damian Dunn is the player for me that as a perfect fit, perfect combo guard for this team that I think would fit perfectly in between sort of Ezra and Tyron. Um, and then you look at it, there, there's a guy from Lehigh, Evan Taylor, uh, that Vandy has. Um, I think they made an in-house visit to him. 
Um, and he is a, he's a good player. He's a, he's a six, six. He would basically be a replacement of Jordan, Wright. Um, so, but guys, it's, it's so weird. You mentioned the portal. Will. it's just, it's, it's not like football where you, you immediately have guys in your head. Like, Oh, I, I, I want that guy who, who played really well at, uh, at Tulane or, you know, they, wherever, like basketball, I have, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I know they have a list on 24 seven, but even that isn't like, it doesn't provide you a whole lot of clarity. So I think an unreasonable guy for me is Caleb Love, but the reasonable guy that I think Vanderbilt can attain and can get is Damian Dunn. So I'm looking for him in terms of post guys. I don't really know. I don't, I know um, I heard a rumor a couple of days ago about Vanderbilt has their eyes on a big post player. Don't know his name, but there will be players brought in, but who are those players? We don't know. Um, I think Caleb Love is a pipe dream, but that's an example, guys, of a guy that we may not think Vanderbilt could ever get, but maybe they they get a guy like that, a, a big name guy. Who knows? I mean, yeah. but I think money has to be involved, and, and I say that not in a dirty way, not in a you know a Rick Pitino or a Calipari way, not in a a direct cheating way, but a way of saying we're being aggressive. Right. Like like we're going to use every NIL capability we can and we're, we're going to get you here and we're going to win at a high level. Like like showing that, you know, kind of dropping your nuts on the table and saying, listen, you come here, we're winning at a high level. You know, we're, we're getting to the tournament and we're going to mm-hmm. be a team like K-State this year and, and make that yeah. run. So I think money's going to have to be involved as it is now. That That's today's world, guys. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a tough question to answer. I know, Will, we were laughing earlier about about our list, and um, I don't know I don't know how loaded your list is. <laughs> no, there you go. The only names, you just named them. It was not an extensive list. The entire point of my list was to say it's crazy how opaque the transfer portal is compared to the recruiting market. Because before 24-7 sports, I mean, you had some annual magazines or whatever with recruiting rankings. But generally, it was very vague how good these guys were going to be, who was interested, what offers they actually had. rivals a scout. Yeah, the transfer portal now is like that on steroids because nobody's taking official visits. Nobody's taking these. You don't see unofficial visits. They're not posting uh, pictures with the gear on. on I mean, all of this is just done, I'm assuming, through different text messages. I have no idea. Does anyone that's not directly involved in that market really know that process? I don't know. Because like you said, they have the list of different guys that are out there that have officially entered their name into the portal. But it's not really the same as the normal recruiting page that has a list of teams that are interested and you know, where they're likely to go. It's not, it's like almost that. untrustworthy too. Yeah. Like, you, it's and like all you're basing it on is like these random guys with like 4,000 followers on Twitter will be like, this player has said that he's interested in these, in like these 15 teams. schools. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and you're like, like oh, that's duty. A, yeah. And so it's all just, he said, she said, and I think at the end of the day, like you're just going to find out when they announce themselves yep. where yeah. they're headed. I think yeah. that to an extent, that's kind of good. But there's no centralized database that clearly shows, you know, teams that are interested and teams that are potentially not interested. Other than the actual portal that coaches have yeah. access to, and we don't. Yeah, yeah. other than that, that's the yeah. opaqueness that we we're referring yeah. to. So I think it's kind of wait and see for us, which is not yeah. exactly the position we love to be in. I no. think, too, Billy, I'm right there with you. Uh, Dunn is he, – he makes the most sense. Um, Vanderbilt obviously needs a big um, – 
one guy I really like, Nelly Jr. Joseph. He's not he's not a five. He's about six nine, so he would run the four. Iona Gales averages mm. fifteen points a game, nine point three rebounds a game, and shoots fifty five percent from the field. What he is currently name? in the Nelly Jr. Joseph. <laughs> what a name! I don't trust. He sounds you on like that, by the way. That sounds like a Vanderbilt basketball player to me. Um, he was He's someone that I would like for Vanderbilt to look at. Um, I know we joke about um, um, the tweets that say, this player has heard from these 4,500 schools. And you're like, what do you mean by heard? Like, what do you mean by they've been in touch? Like, remember Miles Studio originally retweeted that tweet? And it's like, yeah. 37 schools have been in contact with Miles Studi within 30 minutes. You're like, what does that mean? Like, who, like, what do we mean by like in contact? Like, they liked his Instagram I, photo or they like what? But yeah. apparently, Vanderbilt has been like air quotes if you're watching or listening for a little added effect in contact or has interest in this guy. So take that for what's worth. Vanderbilt needs a big. Uh, I would really like him. Caleb Love, I, it's not going to happen, but that feels really steamy kinda, to me. Yeah, I would it's kinda, I would, I would it's love kinda, it. <laughs> it's kind of fun to think about. Uh, it is. But, oh, God, Caleb Love in, in the black and gold, dude. Whew. A- Adam on Twitter kind of with this conversation, he said, do we realistically have a shot at big-time portal guys? And and what about UNC guys anyway? Stack can spin his UNC ties to get the transfer guys from there. Hard to be overly optimistic going into next season, even though I'm glad a couple are leaving. I mean, I, I think to answer his question, yes, I think Vanderbilt does have a realistic shot at high-level portal guys. I, I I think yes. Now we could they they could get here and we're like, who are these guys? We've never seen them play before, but we've we've had that with Ezra Mignon and he turned into a pretty damn good player. So in terms of stacks spinning his UNC ties, I don't I don't think that'll work out with Caleb Love, but Maybe. I mean, maybe with a, a, a guy from UNC. There's a guy at Kansas. I think his name is KJ Miles. Uh, he didn't get to play a whole lot this year, but he's from North Carolina. Uh, you got to believe any player from North Carolina, you know, may may want to play with a guy like Stackhouse who played at North Carolina. So uh, I don't think we put too much stock into those, though. Uh, all right, let's roll through here. We got a few more. Uh, I think this is a good one from Justin Kemp. They won me back with the run at the end of the season, but the goalposts can't change for next year, right? I know we got to that. It's going to be next. It's going to be NCAA tournament next year, and no leaving it to chance to get it. Do enough through the year that there's no doubt. Yes, I agree with that. It actually wasn't that one. It was the next one. Realistically, from Miller McKee, how many points per game have we lost in the portal if Tyron comes back? Um, so he's saying if Tyron comes back. How many points per game have we lost in the portal? We're going to have to do some math on that and get back to you, Miller. Uh, but kind of right off the cuff, Will, I think you're the guy to get to here. I mean, Malik Dia, he averaged, what, two? You I, said I, it was they would have lost 59 of their 72 points. And what did Tyron average? Uh, uh, 15 or 16, maybe? Yeah, I think it was right around there. So do the math there. Uh, not a whole lot, though, right? Yeah, like well, it's 59 of the 72 points are gone, minus, we'll say, 15. So that's going to be 44. Iron average 13.1 a game. Okay, 13 a game. So 46 is what you're going to be losing. 46 to 72 points per game is still quite a bit, even with yes. uh, the returning of Tyron Lawrence. So you still have a lot of points to replace. But the only points that I think are irreplaceable 
are Tyron Lawrence's. Like mm-hmm. I think the I totally things agree. he provides, the the difficulty of shot that he hits on a regular basis when otherwise the possession was going nowhere, you just can't replace that. Yeah. So he would be he would be the entire pretty much the main focus of every single team's defensive game plan going into every single game next season. He has to be back, man. I know we've mm-hmm. said that a lot, but the more that we've discussed it, the the entire weight of next season is pretty much resting on that. Yeah. I've said it like five times. I'm gonna keep <laughs> saying it. That's uh, that's that's what it rests on. All right, Art Goldfinger, last one. He's got a couple. Is it more likely that Vanderbilt will pursue grad transfers as opposed to undergraduate guys? I think that's a good question. We we touched on that a little bit. And then he says, when will you have Art Goldfinger on the pod? I would love to have Art Goldfinger on the pod. Oh, what and a great, what a great person that would be to have on the pod. I feel like that'd be just an iconic conversation with, with him. I don't know how old uh, this guy is, but if he's 30s, 40s, I mean, I feel like that'd pretty, be a pretty, he pretty did, iconic He did, he did a, um, he did a, he did a pod with um the dudes over at the Hustler. Really? Yeah. Like very recently. Yeah. Wow. We need to get him I on think, then. Yeah. We we have to get him on. We'll, we'll get you on our. <laughs> we will get you on our. He was quick. a great listen, which that pod is already like, like a great listen. Like those just do great things. But he was funny, man. He's obviously hilarious on Twitter. That would be he'd be up there with one of the best guests. Uh, if his if his insight is just as good as his uh, Twitter content. But all right, is it more likely though? I mean, what do you think, guys? I don't know that this matters a whole lot, but I do think there's a there's an added effect of getting a grad transfer as opposed to picking up a, an undergrad guy that might have three years of eligibility left and you you haven't seen a, a ton of tape, right? Like an undergrad and a grad guy might have a lot more tape and you might really know what you're getting in, in him. In terms of an undergrad guy, you know, you look at him, you're like, eh, I don't know what he's getting. He's got potential, but I need to see a little bit more on film. So I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I, I I think I say no, my gut says no. But then again, right? Like they need to win now. So they might try to pursue older grad transfer type guys, right? Like like a Jordan Wright type of guy who has been at a program for four years and done a lot, but he wants to play at a high high level school and win and get into the tournament. Does Vanderbilt go after that? So what do you think? I mean, I, I know we talked about this a little bit, Will. I, I think it's it's easier. I mean, academically, it's easier to get grad to get grad transfers as opposed to undergrad. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think, I don't know how to answer that. I, I, my gut says no, because I think undergrad guys, a lot of times have a little bit higher of a ceiling, but then again, you got to win now. If you're coach Stackhouse. I think that it's unique for Vanderbilt because of what we said about not only just the graduate programs they offer. It's like, basically I could be wrong, like a 50, 50 split of grad and undergrad students at Vanderbilt on an already small, relatively small student body, especially compared to other SEC and other power conference schools. So I think in a weird way, yes. Like ideally, Vanderbilt does have more opportunity and can be more appealing to grad transfers. I think that might be like a niche market mm-hmm. they can capitalize on in college basketball. But I think it's more the per- the things that prevent them from pursuing other undergraduate guys. I think that just that program of study thing, I don't even think it's academic standards. It's just having a private elite academic institution and transferring those credits in from non-private elite, non-elite academic schools and just not even offering certain, you know, majors, paths 
mm-hmm. majors at that university. I think the grad track maybe is something that Jerry's looking at, but at this point with how many guys they've lost and how many open roster spots at a certain point, it's kind of take what you can get. And I don't know, that kind of sounds bad, but how picky can you be with this many spots to fill currently? Uh, especially when you have another one up in the air with Tyron is you have to get some experienced guys in here just as bodies. I mean, you're pretty weak at that three and four position. You have no depth. Everyone is gone at the three and four spots. So something has to happen and it needs to happen relatively quickly. So, I mean, we're, we're still the NCAA tournaments, of course, still going on, but hopefully this staff was kind of prepared. Like this hopefully did not blindside the Vanderbilt coaching staff, I would be pretty surprised if they didn't have a little bit of a feeling that some of these guys that is got as fans on the outside, we were surprised by, I would say the coaching staff may have known this was coming or at least had an idea of it and at least made plans to fill Mm -hmm. those holes that were going to be left. Now we will see. That's why it's so hard to give that right now because there's so much to happen and so much roster turnover. This roster could look completely different, you Uh know, a couple months from now and, the entire expectation could be different. And real quick, Trev, before you go, mm-hmm. um, Arya Gerson kind of cleared it up for us. Arik, his first question was, does Vandy allow any undergrad transfers for student-athletes who will be rising seniors? The answer to that is yes. They allowed Ezra Magnon, uh before this season. Mm-hmm. And Arya said, it's not that it isn't allowed. It's that the player has to be willing to potentially lose a full year of credits, as Magnon did, and may have to take summer classes to catch up. Mm-hmm. So... Undergrad all of a sudden looks a little bit tougher. And I think that's reasoning as to why Vanderbilt has had a little bit of trouble with those undergrad guys. And so maybe grad trans, like I said, right? Well, like grad transfers appear to be easier to attain. It's not like undergrad guys are impossible, but it's just with, with like, I don't know that how many guys would want to catch up on all those credits and take summer school. <laughs> well, if <laughs> right? you have the degree like, and you're entering, you're entering a whole new program of a grad school. So like you're basically starting from scratch all over again. So it provides a lot more flexibility for the university to work with you. If you're Mm -hmm. transferring Mm -hmm. in some, I mean, it's written in what transfers in and doesn't, I wasn't working directly in admissions at Tennessee tech, but I was working a lot with those people and seeing the emails. It's just kind of black and white, what credits are going to transfer in and transfer out at a public university. I'm assuming Vanderbilt basically has the same thing, just a way higher standard of what's going to transfer in. So there's not as much flexibility. Now with the grad school, that's where old Deermeyer uh, and Jerry and Candace Lee and McClellan can, you know, not bend the admission standards, but, you know, help out the guy, make sure he's filling out everything correctly, getting it in front of the right people, all that stuff. That's what they can focus on with the grad. Grease the wheel a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, You, you have that option. So that's why I think Ray Davis, apparently. That's like I said. Yes, you do. I don't <laughs> think Ray Davis wanted to play. I don't think Ray Davis wanted to play at Vanderbilt and was able to use that as an excuse to transfer to Kentucky. And I think that is generally what it has been in the past is local guys that don't want to stay using that as an excuse. Like you said with Ezra, he's going to have to do some extra work, whatever, take a summer class. And they're like, nah, Vanderbilt didn't let me in. So I think yeah. that's probably the scenario that was Ray Davis. And hopefully yeah. they're able to grease the wheel, as you said, Billy. Uh, for some of these transfers. Sorry, Ray, you got hell to pay in the fall. It's uh, it's Cheek Smith season, baby. But uh, <laughs> I, I I don't have anything to add. I just have a question. Has it, I could totally be blanking right now. Has Vanderbilt taken any graduates in the portal under Stackhouse? 
Am I totally blanking and missing somebody obvious, or has it all been undergrad? I want to say it's all been undergrad. Okay. I'm I'm trying to think though. I mean, Q Liam. I think Ezra. I, you know. I I think DJ Harvey might have been a grad. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure though. Line. Um, but no one have no one of note, right? Like no one. That's what I'm know, thinking. No, yeah. No one that j- just pops out at you. Um, and that's rare. I mean, to find a, an elite grad transfer like that in, in college basketball that that's that's kind of rare. So yeah, yeah, that's a good question though. I think that'll be something interesting to 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 monitor. Uh, with Stackhouse and, and okay, how many undergrads does he get, and how many of these guys are grads? Because obviously, we from what we've discovered, attaining a grad transfer is a lot easier than attaining an undergrad. But we'll see. I mean, they're they're going to have to do what they got to do. Four scholarship spots are open, and we're going to get some news in the next month or so, guys. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's gonna, if because if these guys are big name guys, and then with the guys that come in, you have Tyron coming back. All of a sudden. Some of that that sorrow, some of that pain from the end of the season, the way it ended, starts to change a little bit. So long, beefy episode, little baseball, little basketball. Again, baseball is uh, at the Hawk this weekend against Georgia, three-game series. And uh, that's it for basketball, guys. No more basketball talk other than the, the transfer news. I'm sure we'll, we'll be touching on them. A lot of baseball coming up, but stay tuned uh, for more Door Reports. You've been listening to another episode of the Door Report powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.